Hi everyone and welcome to The Constant Cheerleader, the podcast that champions the people who go above and beyond to make a difference in the world and their communities over a cuppa. My name is Gemma Stevenson and joining me today is a woman who is no stranger to making history. In 2018, she became the first black South African woman to compete at Wimbledon, making it to the semi-finals on that occasion. And as one of the top tennis players in the world, she's got her eyes on a spot on the podium when the rescheduled Tokyo Paralympics take place in 2021. Off the court, she's got ambitions too, and wants to see the day when women's sport is on a level playing field with men's all the way from grassroots to elite level. Here to give us 30 minutes of her best map talk this week is KG Montjarnay. Hi KG, how are you? I'm all things in how are you, I'm good. It's been a long time. It's been, what, eight months since I last saw you? Most definitely, it's been forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were in a sunny place. We were in Melbourne. We were just chilling. I mean, people had heard of coronavirus, but um, we didn't really quite know what it was going to do. We were we were in the in the in the coastland, I think, and we were thinking there's a lot of smoke in Melbourne. Are we gonna be able to play? But hey, the smoke subsided. We were <laughs> in Melbourne playing some great tennis, and as we were planning the year ahead, then boom, yeah. coronavirus came to standstill. Were you out in America when? Because there was a tournament, wasn't there, on the tour? Uh, where it had literally just started. Were you out in America when that happened? No, actually, I was planning to go to America, and I just, like, pulled out the day before I was supposed to f- to fly out because there w- this coronavirus story was just starting to spread around. Then I made a decision the day <laughs> the day before I fly out to just sort of, like, cancel everything. And two days after that, or three days after that, the tournament in the in the US got cancelled and I was like oops you know it's good that I trusted my gut so I didn't even make it to the US because of that um and first question I've got to ask you KG and it is something we never really get a chance to have uh when um, we're at tournaments um is what cuppa are you joining us with uh this evening you know what I just I, I just I just had a I said dinner, and normally I will just down that with the sparkling water. <laughs> <laughs> KG, you're so healthy. <laughs> I'll just have some, you know, sparkling water, re- rehydrate. Uh, yeah, sparkling water. You know, these wines things, they're not really my thing, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just an African. I'm, I'm an African. It's either water, wine is not my thing. It's it's so foreign to me. So I prefer sparkling water or just water. So that's what I'll normally down my dinner with, to be honest. Or I'll just have a tea because, oh, recently I've just became this tea person, but simply because of pandemic, but never used to drink tea. But hey, these days I'm a, I'm a tea somebody. But does it also have something to do? Because I remember, what was it, about a few years ago you kind of had a switch in your training pattern mentality didn't you yeah I did that because if you if you remember I made a couple of changes with coaches I mean training bases so I, I really had to do that because it was hard for me actually when I actually dropped out of the top 10 or the top eight because I was like down to 10 and that's when I figured that I really need to do some changes, you know, I really needed needed someone who's going to bring in, you know, fresh ideas, you know. Yeah, because I think that's what I needed. Because I figured 
the girls have figured me out, you know, they know how I play and yeah, because they were just like exposing my game so easily. So I needed to make those those changes. And if if you if you have really been following my journey, you you you'd realize that I have changed coaches like two times already. So the coach that I'm currently working with, we started working last year, February. So we just sort of have like a year and couple of couple of months. And I can see with the work that we've been doing, I can see a bit of a difference from where I used to be. So it, it was really part of me to actually make those changes. And that's the thing because it's wheelchair tennis is, you know, it's growing. You you tend to meet the same people each week in a tournament. So it's so important not to be readable and to be able to change your game, isn't it? Most definitely. Hence, I was saying I had to make those changes because I was being exposed. My game was just like more transparent. So it was really important. Like you say, we play same players over and over again. And um, I, I, I was still struggling against the very same players, even if I played them like so many times. So it, it came to my attention that my game has been exposed. I really need to add something to it. And yeah, I mean, I've seen end of last year in the Masters that, you know, uh, things are starting to, you know, add up. This year into Australia, I, I sort of seen that whatever me and my coach were trying to work on, it's really, it's really coming together. I'm no longer becoming a predictable player. So yeah, I'm just getting the girls to get back to drawing, but also to try and figure it out again. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to bring up any bad memories for you here, KD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've been following you guys on tour for a while. Um, Australia, it felt like you were starting the year in such a good place. I mean, you had a really good win in the quarterfinals against Sabine. Not to bring up any tough memories, KD, but there were points where you were game point up against you know, the world number two, Yui Kamiji. <laughs> Before all this lockdown happened, you must have been feeling really confident. Most definitely, I had started the year with a lot of enthusiasm and talking of that uh, U.S. match, I mean, the tournament before that, I had played Yui in the, in, the, in the quarterfinals and I had like three match points. And yeah... I just froze and that's where experience, you know, comes because I've never been in that uh, stage whereby I don't have to play under pressure and because yeah. I was under pressure, I couldn't even sell the match even when I had a great opportunity to win. So going into 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 the Grand Slam, I knew what what is it that I can actually do against Yui and like you said, I had game points every time. I was on advantage every time, but it goes back to uh, that experience, you know. So for me, it's it's really a positive thing to take because now I'm able to see how close I am. And with the coach that I have now, he's so good in, you know, this match analysis. So we can, I'm able to understand the stats now because I come out of that match, I'm like, I played so bad. And he dished out all the stairs in front of me. I'm like, this is unbelievable. How did I feel to just like take a match like that? You know? So it comes with experience, but with what he's bringing on the table, it's actually helping my confidence. Cause now, even if I don't win a match, but I understand how close I am. 
and you are you are right I, I i was very confident in this in the beginning of the year and i was looking to go into paralympics and you know what make sure that i finish on that podium because the numbers like i said the stats are showing it for for themselves how close i am to to actually beating these girls uh, and that's the thing i mean we tend to forget sometimes when we're watching you is before you were 19, you didn't even know what tennis was. You're not one of those people that have started when they were like, as, you know, as soon as they could hold a racket, like when they were three or four. I think you told me once in an interview you were forced into <laughs> sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like you mentioned, I mean, I'm, I'm from the rural part of, you know, South Africa. That's where I grew up. You know, we 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 don't grow up seeing all these fancy facilities. And I went to a rural school that didn't even had sports facilities. It just had you know a soccer ground, which it was so dusty. You know, it didn't have grass. You know, didn't even know a soccer ground needs to have a grass. You don't know these things because you don't even have an access to the TV. So you really don't get to see all these things. But at the school they introduce us to all these activities so that we can become active. Like, I, like you mentioned, when tennis came, I wasn't even interested because I didn't even know what it was. So I didn't even see a point, why should I play, you know? So they, they forced me into it. And I didn't even know I had a talent in this sport that I've never saw or heard of it before. I knew of running. I mean, I know people run. I I knew people play soccer. I knew people play netball. But tennis, I, I didn't know what it was. And that's why I wasn't even interested. But beyond that, I had a talent. And I was so curious to explore that. And, yeah, it's been a rough journey for me having to pick up a racket that late. I was so old to even teach my muscle memory certain strokes because I didn't have a... A great, uh, a great development of the sport. So I, I think I, I, I'm improving as I as I grow, you know, because my development wasn't that great. So all, all those up and downs, they they make sense for me that I might have peaked early in my career, but I didn't know what was going on. But now I'm starting to understand the sport better. And I think I remember your technique at the beginning, like when you first started playing. You're a lefty, but you used to serve with your right hand, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, <laughs> you know what? When I when I first went to my tennis camp, and I, I think there were so many coaches, there were so many players, and I was just like sitting at the corner trying to, you know, figure it out in my head how am I gonna be able to to play? Because I used to play a double hand backhand. Because I've seen a lot of coaches doing that, so I thought. You know, I can just copy whoever. But then a lot of players were saving with the right hand. So I just thought, no, that's how it's done. So I need to serve with the hand that everyone serves with. So, <laughs> like, even those coaches there, no one no one gave me the basics. Like, this is how you do it. This is, no. I just I just followed the bandwagon work of other players, how they were doing it. I was, like, sitting on the corner. I was like, okay, no, I can do this. So this is how we do it. So... Everyone served with their right hand. I thought that's what I needed to do. I started serving with my right hand, but it was so weak to hit, you know, a, a forehand. So I would 
actually play double backhand and just like play forehand with the with with my left hand so that's how it was i had to figure it out because i was a very competitive kid by then and i didn't want to feel left out so i had to figure it out and then i mean from there 19 not knowing what tennis is i mean what three paralympics Whoa, 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 whoa. I find myself based on Paralympics. I I didn't even know what Paralympics were. I'm like, yes, I'm out here and I'm playing on this court. There's like thousand people cheering for USA. I'm like, oh, but you know what? There's McDonald's around this place. So at least there's something for me to enjoy. So me being to my first Paralympics, I don't even know what to to expect. And I just found it amazing. The, the, the atmosphere was great for me. But I think that's when I, I actually appreciated tennis, wheelchair tennis as a sport, because I've never seen so many people coming to support a disability sport. I played in athletics, but I've never seen anything like that. Then I was like, if people can come out in numbers, like it's it's a soccer match, it means this sport is so, so amazing. And I was so motivated that I want to qualify with, with, with merit for my next Paralympics because that was just a wild card at Beijing, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I really had to work hard to make sure that I get to London with, with merit. And that's how I made it to London. And unfortunately, I got injured in the middle, in the midst of, you know, London Paralympics. But I, I was so well prepared because I won my first match at, at London Paralympics. So that that was enough for me, despite me not being able to progress to the next round. And then you went on to Rio, and obviously uh, the new movie's come out now, hasn't it? That Rising Phoenix. Um, and it's actually exposed some of the stuff, the lead-up to Rio 2016, of what happened with how it nearly didn't go ahead. As an athlete, did you know how close it was to, you know, being cancelled, or did you did they keep you really kind of focused on your performance? Honestly, they, they kept our they kept us really focused on our performance. We didn't even know that Rio might be cancelled. Yeah, we, we had stories, Zika virus, but, all, but they always said to us that, I mean, you know, they're working on that, but they never even revealed any chance for us not even being there. They tried so hard. They really, really tried to keep us focused. And that, that that's where our focus was. And, you know, come... Rio, you meet new players that we never played before and you, you get a shock, you know. So I think the the the, the, the London Para, Paralympics and Rio Paralympics for me actually they sort of prepared me on what's next, you know, what to expect actually in Paralympic Games because sometimes I just thought going into Rio, you I would have calculated in my head, yeah, I'm not I'm out of I'm out of the top eight. I know I might come across, you know. Yeah, I see that. Oh, I'm on Annex half. Perfect. I'm I'm seeing quarterfinal already. I don't see. I didn't see all those other players that I've never played before. I didn't even think of them. But now, now I know better. Going into 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 Japan, actually, it was like you need to be prepared for those that you never played before, because mm-hmm. that's where the shock might come. You know. So I, I was so confident already for such circumstances, but hey, COVID happened, but it's, it's looking me more chance to actually, you know, work a lot on, on my game, yeah. And um, I've got a bone to pick with you, KG. There's one tournament where I remember asking you a few years ago and saying, KG, why do I never see you at the World Team Cup? And you went, oh no, not me, never me. I'm never doing that. 
And then 2019 comes along, and whose name do I see on the South African roster? Oh man, yeah, because it happens that you can't you can't play in Paralympics if you don't play in the two World Team Cups. So yeah, but uh, you you know what? I think I think I'm not a team player. I know I still play doubles, but I'm not really a good team member. So growing up with the sport, like I said, I picked up the racket really late. I got so frustrated in so many ways that come doubles, then we have to. We have to, I mean, World Team Cup, come World Team Cup, we have to do things in a team manner and you can't really control what the other person really does. But also with being the stronger player in the team, I had always dealt with the pressure that it's like, I can't lose. It's like, I'm not allowed to lose. I'm not allowed to do mistakes. So that, that was just the hype I was getting in the team and it gave me so much pressure. And I just didn't feel like I actually love world team cup because of the pressure that i have to deal with to win so i think that pressure actually it really made me to hate the world team cup because it just made me feel alone and i just didn't even have ways to deal with that pressure because i felt alone and i felt like there's a lot of work on my shoulders that i can't handle how is it in south africa like obviously um there's countries like the netherlands here in the uk uh, they have a junior program for athletes coming up What's it like, the development of wheelchair tennis in South Africa right now? You know, honestly, the, the program used to be really great in the past. I used to see, like, some promising juniors coming up. But with what really happened with our tennis, with wheelchair tennis, basically, after losing that huge sponsor, you know, a lot has changed there was just, you know, limited ways to, to have programs at schools and all that. So it sort of killed the vibe of the sport, you know. Like now, I don't really see much juniors coming up. I don't I don't even know anymore what's really happening on, on the grassroots level. I would we have anyone coming up? I don't even know that anymore because I know after losing that sponsorship, it sort of killed a lot of hype around our sport even just the motivation to some of the players. I mean, some of the juniors who used to play, they went on to play wheelchair basketball, you know? And yeah. you can't blame them with the situation that we have. I mean, even us as top players, we still struggle for sponsorships. So you can imagine if those kids can see what's really going on, yeah, they will be not motivated to actually take up the sport. So I can't really tell what's really going on on our development programs, to be honest. And I, for one, I've got my own goals to to focus on. I'm so hungry to to win a measure. I'm so hungry to maintain my sport in the top seven. I'm so hungry to 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 become the best player in the world. So having to deal with that pressure, I, I sort of just shifted my focus to just like do do me. I just want to do me and make sure that I can achieve what I want to achieve because it, it really breaks my heart knowing that I might have to retire and there's really no one at all. But I can't put my mind there because that's, that's sort of draining, you know. It, it's really sad because I honestly, I'm not really sure where we are in terms of development programs. You've mentioned the finance there. Finance is a really big thing in wheelchair tennis because it's not like you guys are on, you know, you don't win a tournament and get $3 million, do you? I mean, it, <laughs> there is a massive, massive gap in um, your guys' prize money 
in general. I mean, it's getting better. It's it's slowly going up, but there is still this massive gap, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, apart from just looking at the Grand Slams, because I think Grand Slams for top players is just uh, it's just a winner on its own, because at least we get to get a reasonable prize money compared to our own tournaments. Because in our own tournaments, I mean, it's a it's a loss loss situation. You spend a lot of money on flights and whatever. Even if you go for three four tournaments combined, you don't even make half of the money you spend to get the accommodation flights, food, you you don't make it back. So for us in wheelchair tennis, it's just a, it's just a passion driven sport for us. We've got passion. We love doing it. We enjoy doing it. That's why we do it. Cause it's, it's not about the money. Cause if it was about the money, we wouldn't have players, you know, going all over the world. Cause honestly, we don't really make anything. The fortunate one are the Grand Slam players cause yeah, maybe in all four Grand Slam, you can actually make half of what you spend in a year if you are doing much better. And if you are winning, yeah, you are basically you can make what you spend in a year. But for us in wheelchair tennis, honestly, I just feel like we, we, we are being driven by passion and for the love of the sports, to be honest. Because if it wasn't for that, I don't think most of us, we, we would be where we are if it wasn't for that. And you talked a bit about Grand Slams and the players in the Grand Slams. It's been a very funny Grand Slam year this year. Uh, Australian Open happened. Uh, Roland Garros has been moved to October. Wimbledon didn't happen, but they did give you some money for it not being played. Uh, and the US Open is obviously happening uh, this month. But you, from early on, from when the entries went in, you, you've you made the decision not to go over to New York, haven't you? Yeah, I made that, I made that decision because, honestly, I had to look at it from, you know, financial part of view, you know. We, we, we with uh, international travels being limited across the world, like in South Africa, we don't have international travels even now. So... If you're going to travel with whatever payments that you get, I cannot get a direct flight, of which for me, a direct flight is more prominent for me. I, I would know that it's just 16 hours flat, then I would be in New York. But now I had to go to Europe or I have to go to Qatar. I have to go to uh, where is it? Dubai for me to get to the US. That's like traveling for 24 hours and... It's just too much for me, you know, and I don't feel safe with the whole pandemic breathing through the mask for 24 hours. I don't think it's, it's the most convenient thing for me to do. But other than that, I just felt like despite all the long travels, I just thought this is about time I'm going to have to prioritize my health. And that's how I made a decision not to not to go to the U.S. And also financial wise for me, it. it didn't work for me. It didn't make sense. I'll spend too much money on flights. You can't even buy a return flight. It's one way, and you have to buy one way back. So it's it just didn't make sense. And you have to stay at a tournament hotel, of which normally you would save from that because you know how expensive tournaments hotels are. <laughs> you can't even save on that. You are forced to pay that amount of money. So And it's a loss-loss situation. The price money has went down. So 
like I said, for me, it wasn't even more about money. I mean, the points are frozen. I don't have no pressure at all to be going around and spending too much more money and risking my life. So I just thought I can just, you know, chill and let this pandemic to subside and see how it's being dealt with. And yeah, how can I get back to competition in a safe way? So I, I'm just home and observing what's happening out there and I can you know, make a decision in a couple of months if I really want to go back to competition or not. I mean, there is going to be somebody out there who's going to miss having you there this year. I mean, you're kind of like the US Open double act. Uh, you and Dana Matthewson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we always get little video highlights from both of you every year. It provides a little bit of light entertainment because that's the thing, KG. You're very, you're seen as somebody who's very, a very intense competitor on the court but actually off the court you just like to make people laugh don't you yeah i am actually yeah you're right i'm a very funny person you know i, I like i think being happy i'm or laughter laughter makes me who, who i am and obviously having a friend like dana which just gets me and my weirdness you know those who think i'm weird but then there's one person who really gets me and i can actually be myself around her without having to explain myself because she just get it that there are people like me who just have you know overly sense of humor you know so i, I would miss her i would miss her i would miss being out in in new york you know but you know one part of me that i'm really happy about not going to the u.s it's ex actually what's really happening in the u.s apart from the pandemic you know, the whole issue of racism, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like in my own way, I'll just take it as a protest that being out there, I'm not really supporting what's really going out there because I feel like a lot can be done. It's it's really it's really emotional to even actually talk about it because no, no one knows what we really go through, you know, as Black people. But we, we try to just, like, hold on and... Yeah, and move on, but it, it's really sad in it. But you can't blame people who, who doesn't understand it. If it's not being done to you, if people don't make you feel less of a human because of the color of your skin, then you won't understand how it feels. Because us as black players being out there, we feel like we, we, we feel like we are representative of our black people because tennis is a white sport, you know? Yeah. And anything that we can do to voice uh, these issues in the plat platforms that we have. We, we, we're going to raise them because the world needs to understand. We might be black, but we're not less, we're not less of human. You know, we, we are as capable as everyone. And we can't just sit back and say, we are so comfortable in the sport that we play in while our fellow black people are suffering. I mean, if we do have voice, we need to raise that because we, we, we really need to show that we stand against racism because, like I said, when we are out there, it's only a few of us. We feel like we represent our own people, you know, so that they can know they also belong because the system for a long time kept, kept us away from playing sports like this, but now we can. So why can't we encourage everyone to you know, stand up against racism. Yeah, and I think I think it is important to have that voice. I think it is important that you have that voice um, as well. And like you said, you know, part of your uncomfort with going to America at the minute was COVID, but part was obviously what's going on over there at the minute. 
for somebody to be a good ally, what do you think they can do? Uh, I just I just feel like if we stand together, man, if we if we stand together, because we have most influential people in the world of sport. Yeah. If if they can stand together and voice these things, I think the world will come to understand how how serious it is. Because mm-hmm. yeah, we we can always protest because protesting also is not great. We we risk lives out there. You go out to protest. And the next thing you can injure. So I wish influential people in the world, they can do much more better about this simply because they're so influential. They're so powerful. They will be heard. You know, I'm just KG from South Africa. I might be seen as a star in my country and all that. But when I'm on the US Open stage, I'm not bigger enough. I'm not bigger than Roger. I'm not bigger than than Natal. But if we get all those influential people involved to voice these things, I think there will be change in the world, you know? You say you're just KG from South Africa, but KG, what you do in South Africa, you are doing big things, KG, and I think you're under, you know, you're underestimating the power you have. <laughs> you know, I, I, all I know is that I'm just a beacon of hope, to be honest. Where I come from, communities where I come from, I'm a beacon of hope. Coming from Africa itself, I'm a beacon of hope. I'm out there to to give Africans hope. You know, like we we talked about it. I picked up a record really late. Who would have imagined picking up the record at the age of nineteen? You would make it to a Grand Slam. I I never thought of that, but. There's a child somewhere in a community where I come from who would look at that and be like, I really want to do this at an early age and, you know, even become better than what KG was. So for me, I just see myself as a beacon of hope. But I know that sometimes even the goals that I have looking at my journey in tennis, they just seem very much impossible. But I can still instill hope in others so for me it's not about underestimating myself but much more like seeing myself as a beacon of hope that i want to see the africans doing much better than they are and believing more in what they can do yeah and um to another thing that you're passionate about putting women's sport on a level playing field with men's i mean you talk about it a lot um and you think it more needs to be done not just at elite level but at grassroots level too most definitely, that needs to be that needs to be done. I mean, for for how long? For how long we're gonna just watch women women's sport being marginalized? You know, being stereotyped. You know, women are doing much greater things now. W- women are showing talent. Women are showing abilities and capabilities. So why 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 can they be endorsed like their their male counterparts? What's actually out there that makes women worth less that's what i don't understand and it doesn't make sense so just let's just balance the equation and everyone will be happy give that credit to us because wow we 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 are we are the most influential people in this world (laughs) (laughs) i think because you're quite a strong woman as well katie i think has that come from like you had quite a strong mum and you 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 had quite strong grandmother as well didn't you have you is that has that all come from having strong women in your life as well yes most definitely and you know what i being born with disability and having a mom and a grandmom like 
the ones I have, not even for a second, they thought of being like, oh, our poor child, our poor child can't do this, our poor child can't do that. You know what? They, they just took me and put me out there in the world for me to be myself. And for that, I applaud them for doing that because otherwise I could have been sitting here and feeling sorry for myself that I can't do this, I can't do that because I don't have a leg. I don't like they didn't even give me that chance. They they taught me from the word go that you are a strong person, you are a gift from God, and you're gonna go out there and be yourself and live your life to the fullest without anyone telling you anything. No one's gonna feel sorry for yourself because that's not how we see you. So go on. Uh, they taught you to go out there, believe in yourself, be strong. When will we see KG Montjane lift her first Grand Slam title? You know what? I, I was hoping this year I can do that. Honestly, I was, I, I, was, I was seeing that. From 2018, after making that Wimbledon semifinal, I was like, if I can move from one round to another, there's a possibility. That's when I started seeing it. And this year's Australia Open, it has showed me, the stats has showed me how close I am to get to that Grand Slam final. Should I string two matches back to back with those girls? I tell you, I'm definitely going to win that Grand Slam. And I was hoping it could be this year. I was looking at, it's either could be, I don't know, it could be on grass or it could be on hard court. I was looking at that. It either could be Wimbledon or it could be on US Open. But unfortunately, those are just tournaments that are not happening for me. But I will see what I will do at Roland Garros. Uh, I will go try my luck. But I was hoping this year I can actually lift my first Grand Slam title. And uh, I'm going to ask you for some, some predictions now for the US Open. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get you in trouble with the other players now, KD. Um, You're going to get me in trouble, but you know what? I will I will just keep it as it is. My final prediction, I give it to Dida and Yui. I just, I'll just stick to that. Women's draw, Dida and Yui uh, final. Um, now now you've got yourself in a hole there, KD, with the prediction. <laughs> Everybody's going to be waiting to see now at the end of the week. Um, we've got to do the kind of cheerleader part of the... Uh, interview um and um we do a part called the cultural exchange in cheerleading so when we go off to international competitions we give people from other cultures something from our culture and they give us something back from their culture uh, so this is like your chance to give somebody a top tip or something that's kept you entertained during lockdown uh, so have you got a cultural exchange kg you know what a cultural exchange let me just tell you, as an African, the most cultural thing we carry all over, whichever stranger that you come across, whether you know or you don't know, learn to be kind to them. That that's that's the, the that's the exchange culture that I can give to anyone out there. Because as an African, whether we know you, whether we don't know you, whether you're a stranger or not, we're always kind to you. We greet you, but kindness. It's my exchange culture for for this episode. So be kind out there. I, I love that. I love that cultural exchange. And uh, just one more thing, K 
KG, you know, making you work. We need some motivation from you as well. So there's a part in cheerleading called Mac Talk. And it's basically where we're on the mat competing and one of the team members is kind of shouting motivation at you to keep you going. It's kind of like a little bit of your motivational cry to leave our listeners with for this week. You know, for me, it's always like if you're out there and it's tough and you're about to lose hope, you have to go back to how did I make it here? It doesn't matter how it's going to go at that particular moment, win or lose, but how did you get there? So look back on that journey or steps that you took for you to get there before you can even think about giving up. Just never forget the process that it took for you to get where you are, no matter how bad or good things are. Remember, your work matters. Everything that you put in, it matters. Um, some very wise words there, KG. Some very wise words from somebody who yeah. has been there and done that. All that's left for me, for me to say is um, thank you for coming on today, KG. Because I know even though you're not doing the US Open, you are still training hard every day um, to make sure you can be the best you can be. And also um, thank you to everyone for joining us and listening once again. You don't have to do that and you join us every week without fail um so i'll leave you with one final message and that is to stay safe and stay well and we will meet again at the same time next week to champion another of life's cheerleaders thank you 